What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It gives me great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. At time of recording, it is Thursday, January 19th, 2017, and with me on the other line is the most qualified person to talk about the NBA that has ever graced this podcast, quite frankly. He writes about basketball for Vice and Excel Sports. David Wurzberger, how you doing, Wurz? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I... Uh, was gonna we're gonna talk at the end about the article that you just did for Bleacher Report, which I read, which I found excellent, and I want to ask you about all the practice players that play the superstars. We will get to that, but before we dive into some of the major NBA storylines, I like to ask all my podcast guests the same question right off the bat, and that is, how was your day? Uh, pretty boring actually. I uh, I woke up kind of late. Uh, I was up watching watching the NBA and just sort of slept in, had a day off, and. Uh, I haven't done much of significance, so uh, thanks for reminding me of that. And yeah, absolutely, uh, ruining that, my mood. Hey, it, that, it, it, it makes t- it makes two of us. But I figured now we could do something productive, or at least semi-productive, and do this podcast. So the yes. first, uh, I, before we do the all-star starters, which I wanted to get because we're recording this about an hour before TNT is going to announce them. But by the time we upload, the starters will be known. But I wanted to ask you which. Which play from last night's Warriors Thunders game is going to have more staying power? The fact that Zaza gave Westbrook a hard foul and then stood over him like the the villainous character that he is, or that Westbrook forgot the rules of basketball for a few seconds and did one of the all time travels? <laughs> that, that was great. Uh, you know what? I really hope it's the Zaza moment. Um, you know, rivalries in the NBA. It's sort it's sort of been this thing where like. You know, people say, "Oh, there aren't any good rivalries anymore." I feel like there there are a couple mini rival rivalries blossoming. I, I hate that word. Uh, Cavs Warriors is, a, is obviously the big one, but like, I really hope this Thunder Warriors thing turns into something. Maybe they get a playoff series together. I hope you know t- the testiness could help with that. The one the one problem with that is that the Warriors are so much better than the Thunder. It'd be a very one sided rivalry. I feel like in order to have it be a rivalry, there has to be a back and forth. Like because the Cavs and Warriors have each beaten each other in the last two NBA Finals, that's a rivalry. In any case, uh, I mean, would you agree with that? Would you say that you need at least some back and forth for there to be a rivalry? That's fair enough. Yeah, I don't know about uh, the Thunder actually competing in a playoff series, <laughs> but you know, a kid can dream. Yeah, maybe maybe they they can at least make Durant take I don't know twenty five shots to get forty points instead of sixteen. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, so, so tonight they're gonna have they're gonna announce the All Star starters for both the East and West. And as usual, the fan voting is going to skew the correct players that should be in those slots. So I wanted to ask you, Mister Verts, who you have as your All Star starters. So we'll start with the Eastern Conference. Who you have as your five Eastern Conference starters? This should be the pick for anybody is uh, LeBron and Giannis. I mean, they've yes, just been ridiculous this season. Uh, the third forward, it, the way I've been seeing it uh, with the fans, it's really up in the air. A lot of people want Joel Embiid. Uh, and the one I've, I've been seeing a lot with the media is uh, Jimmy Butler, which is a good pick. I actually went with Kevin Love. Hmm. And that seems that seems out there. But uh, for me, with the Bulls being the eighth seed and the Cavs just being this juggernaut, I wanted to reward the Cavs with two All Star starters. And Love, he's averaging twenty and ten this season. Looks a lot like his old self. He, he's toned down. He's really putting more effort on, you know, on the defensive end. And he, I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to give him that slot. I feel like he's really earned it this year. Just quietly playing really, really good basketball. Uh, the 
I don't know if you want to comment on that. No, absolutely. I think that if if I didn't uh, look at Love's numbers, I knew that in the last fan vote returns, he, Kyrie, and LeBron were all top vote getters and were in line to be uh, listed as starters. So Kevin Love may get that. However, I, I didn't know that he was averaging 20 and 10. That That is news to me because I know that Joel Embiid is just a, a shade under 20 points and a shade under 10 rebounds on a minutes restriction. And perhaps I'm getting swept up in the, the trust the process mania. Uh, but last night, watching them hold the Raptors to 89 points and watching Embiid... Watching Embiid get the game ceiling block and then just completely embrace the WWE aspect of it and like whoop the fans into a frenzy. It's just I you haven't seen that out of Philly since the AI days. So it's awesome to see. Maybe him revitalizing a franchise is is, is skewing my vision, but I have Embiid as that that spot. I mean, you know, the All Star the All Star game is entertainment and Embiid would be incredibly entertaining and he's just been awesome i love what he's been doing in philly uh for the guards i i had uh isaiah thomas and kyle lowry yes sir uh, lowry, lowry lowry's the uh the shoe-in uh, i know a lot of people went with the rosen over him but uh, it, it he's just a better player like the no question you know DeRozan's had had that thirty point streak, and he's exciting. But it, you know you got to hand it to Lowry. He's just he's sort of been that rock for the team. And uh, I went with Isaiah Thomas, and that this that second spot was tricky, man. You talk about John Wall just mm-hmm. exploding lately, carrying his Wizards team. Uh, you know Kyrie's not a bad pick at all. I'm probably missing DeRozan's another one. I'm probably missing some other guard that's not coming to mind at this at the second. But Kemba, Ka- I went with uh, Isaiah. Kemba, there it is. Yeah, Kemba, Charlotte's tailed off recently. That's, uh, uh, that's hurt his. Absolutely. I am. We're in lockstep with the guards. I had Lowry and Isaiah. I think uh, Isaiah's, uh, the combination of him being the king of the fourth and having, it, it's a really it's a really wonderful two-year arc of a story from where he was in Phoenix as the third guard a couple years ago to becoming one of the more unlikely all-stars you'll see to potentially making you know, he has an outside shot at being third team all NBA this year, which would be just for the last pick in the draft to have that happen is 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 an awesome storyline. So I, I have the two of them as the starters. Lowry is better than DeRozan, more important to that team. I don't think it's a question. I love DeRozan, but the Lowry's the dude. I think uh, as as the god of basketball writing Zach Lowe says, he's the best god in he's the best guard in the East. And in all day. When you're in doubt, just listen to what Zach Lowe says. Always. That's my rule. Always. So you've got Lowry, Isaiah, LeBron, Greek Freak, and Love. I've got Lowry, Isaiah, LeBron, Greek Freak, and Embiid. So how about the Western Conference? Uh, for the West, let's see. I got Actually, the West was – I feel like everyone's been circling the same starting five there. It's pretty obvious, I'd like to think. It's Westbrook and Harden at the guards, mm-hmm. two MVP candidates. You know, the, the top two and basically, you know, in the MVP right? So you can't say no to them. And then it's Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. Yep. Uh, with Durant, he's the best player on the best team. Uh, it's you know that all really comes down to Kawhi's been great for the Spurs quietly as everything with the Spurs are. And you know what? Like the Pelicans haven't been great, but uh, they've been getting better recently. And Anthony Davis's numbers are just Astounding. ridiculous. I went to Knicks Pelicans and he dropped. The, the quietest forty and eighteen. <laughs> no, you know you don't understand. It was, it was silent. It was almost like, oh, Anthony Davis, he's doing well. You know, he's good. And I look at the scoreboard. Oh, he has 40, 
40 points and 18 rebounds and three blocks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Damn. That, that, that's what he does. I feel like, uh, first of all, I have the same exact five starters. I uh, tried to talk myself into taking Marcus All over Anthony Davis. I came close, but I couldn't do it. I love the bejesus out of Marcus All, and I love the grit and grinder are giving it one last in the seventh season of this era. They're giving it one last push, but I couldn't. I couldn't put him in over AD. Starters and the general all-star snubs are going to be really brutal this year. Like Bradley Beal, I'm, I'm not sure Bradley Beal makes the all-star game this year, and he's been awesome. Yeah, it's nice to see that dude stay healthy because he just hasn't been able to stay on the court for uh, the majority of a season in several years. So, yeah, I think that – and now that Wizards team is back up to 22-19. and 19. They're tied with Indiana for the fifth seed. They uh, – are back where they're supposed to be. So they're no longer the the awful disappointment they were to start the year. Yeah. And in that vein, the next thing I wanted to... Oh, I'm sorry. I had one last question, and that's if Zaza ends up getting voted into this All-Star game, uh, should it be the last straw for this fan voting? My problem with it is, you know, what do you want the All-Star game to be? Do you want it to be fun, not that serious, let the fans, like, it's all about the fans? Like, if you want it to be that, make it fully fan vote, but take out the stuff in contracts where, oh, you'll get a $200,000 bonus, whatever it is, if you make an all-star team. If you want to make it serious, if you want to uh, give players uh, contract incentives to make the all-star team, then you can't with the, the fan vote and, get, you know, it's... It just doesn't. It doesn't work when you try to make it both. Things. Yeah, you can't. It's got. It's got to go one side or the other. I, I love Zaza in there. You know what? But if it takes away a center who's going to get an extra million dollars if he made an All Star team, then it's a little messed. I mean, we talk about All Star selections when we're talking about the Hall of Fame down the line. So you know, if Mike Conley never gets uh, into it, and I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but if we look back on Mike Conley's career and oh, he's never been an All Star, like he's a really good player. Absolutely, and I think that. They abs- I, I, I am of the opinion that they should swing it all the way to the fans because no other sport is as good to its fans as the NBA is. Embrace the fan vote. Have it not be talked into talked about when we decide whether people are Hall of Famers, and have it not factor into contracts. Have all have it just that all of that just fall onto the All NBA teams. That's totally fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be fine with that. The only, in that case, yeah, let's get Zaza in here. Yeah, in that case, let's have Zaza and Westbrook uh, be on the same put team. Zaza, put Zaza at point guard, damn it. Yeah, Zaza and Joel Embiid as the two point guards. Let's do it. Uh, now, we talked. I said that the Wizards are now no longer a disappointment. I'm going to give you a multiple-choice question as to who's been the biggest disappointment in the NBA thus far. We've got the Knicks, as you mentioned, who have been awful. They're at 19-24. and 24. You got the Portland Trailblazers, who are uh, the ninth seed in the West at eighteen and twenty-six, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves at fourteen and twenty-eight. I feel like Oof, this is tough. Um, I don't think it's the Knicks. I don't think it's the Knicks because either. I think, at, yeah, I think at best people thought. You know, is it my personal who, who's disappointed the most? Yes, yes, it's you. This is this is who has disappointed David Wurtzberger oh, the most. Okay, because <laughs> I matter that much. I'd go Minnesota. Yeah, I'd go Minnesota. I expected more of them. I actually like Portland's. The thing is, Portland's. Uh, I don't want to call it collapse, but call it a downgrade from last year. It's not shocking to me. I, I've never been. I've never been uh, thinking about that team like they're rock solid. Like it, this, this wasn't shocking to me. You know, they didn't have. 
the greatest defense to begin with, and they've had some injuries. And, you know, it, it just – with Minnesota, I really thought – and maybe I expected too much out of the young core right out of the gates, but I thought they'd be maybe closer in the playoff hunt, and they've just been brutal defensively. I mean, bad. They, they've, they've stepped it up lately, which, which is, you know, promising. But ask me this question again at the end of the season. I think it, the answer could change because Portland and Minnesota are fighting to get back in the playoffs, and both have looked better lately, so we'll see. Yeah, that's the crazy part is that even the Phoenix Suns, who have the worst record in the West, are, you know, four or five games out of the eighth spot because that's how bad this bottom section of the Western Conference is. And I would agree with you that Minnesota has been the biggest disappointment and the fact that Portland has regressed is has more to do with people's inflated expectations of them because Chris Paul and Blake Griffin got hurt in the first round last year. They were going to lose that series in five games and then they wouldn't be a disappointment this year because people would have, you know, I, maybe they wouldn't have gone out and spent all that money on Evan Turner and keeping Alan Crabb if they hadn't made the second round and had a fun five games with the Warriors. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that you can have Lillard and McCollum as your backcourt Long term, you actually proposed a trade on Twitter. What was it? It was CJ McCollum going to the Sixers for Nerlens and Robert Covington. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like to fool around on the trade machine, throw it out there. I actually, I, I kind of like that deal for both teams. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it depends on whether Robert Covington is going to be a good shooter for a long time or not. I think that's that's what that is uh, hinging on because he he he's been hot and cold this year despite being fairly consistent last year. So I don't know. I I I, I do love the idea of CJ McCollum running a pick and roll with Embiid though. Oh, I I love the idea of anyone roll if he makes TJ McConnell look. You know, credit to TJ McConnell. He's been good this year. Maybe I shouldn't make jokes. The the shot of Embiid just, like, choking TJ McConnell after the <laughs> game-winning shot is one of my favorite moments of the entire season thus far. So if they are – if those three teams are the biggest disappointment, I tried to think of a multiple-choice question for biggest surprise, and I really just wrote down the Rockets. That's the only one I could come up with. I don't know if there's another team that you think has been as big a surprise, but I, I think it's far and away Houston. What do you say? I'm actually not surprised by Houston. I, this is like the defense has definitely been better than I thought it'd be, but I thought they could be this competitive in the West. I really like Mike D'Antoni and James Harden and the roster around them is such a perfect harmony that like unless there were a bunch of bad injuries and guys just didn't play up to how well they could play, this team was going to be top three offense easy. Mm-hmm. And, and and from there, like I think people over like Trevor Reese is a good defender. Uh, Clint Capella can defend the paint, you know. Beverly, Patrick Beverly, yeah. I, I I feel like you know even the the talk about how bad they be de- defensively was a little, uh, you know they they've got good defensive players. Yeah, they uh, have been absurd to watch. I watched them play the Bucks. Uh, last night, and it went from a dub, you know, a ten-point game to a twenty-point game in uh, just the snap of a finger. Because when Eric Gordon, who hit I think seven threes in that game, who I think should win Comeback Player of the Year, uh, it's been one of my favorite things to watch him sort of. That's probably fair. Him recapture sort of what he had that one year with the Clippers when we thought he was going to be one of the best two guards in the league, and he's just been injured yeah. since. Uh, we talked about the number eight seed in the West and how there's sort of there's a group of seven teams and then below the Thunder it's all just a mess. How many wins will it take to get the number eight seed in the West? Um, 
Right now, the Nuggets who right the Nuggets who are seventeen and twenty three have the eighth spot. What's funny is the Sixers are actually. I believe if they were in the West, I saw this tweet the other night. Um, I'm not sure if it's still up, you know, uh, up to date exactly with the numbers, but I'm pretty sure they'd be three and a half games out of the West eight spot. Oh, I would love. There you go. Hey, don't sleep on them in the East. No, I'm kidding. But uh, they what 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 are what are they? Uh, what's their efficiency numbers when Embiid's on the court? Is isn't it like? Aren't they like a 50 win team with him on the court? I believe the mathematical term is really freaking good. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think I think that's what the statisticians say. My league sources uh, have described it to me as. Pretty darn good. <laughs> as as an NBA team, an actual NBA team. Uh, so I, I think that it's going to take roughly... I remember the Hawks the year that they played the Celtics, the year the Celtics won the title. They made the eighth seed in the East at 37 and 45. I think that's right right around where it's going to take, like 37, 38 wins to get the yeah, eighth seed. That, that, that might be it, honestly. Uh, I'm bad at putting a number on that, but... Yeah, that, that eighth seed race, it's crazy because just one through seven is unreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, you're going to see Oklahoma City, probably Memphis. A, a lot of, like, really good teams get kicked out first-round bounce. That, that's how competitive and good the West is this year. Which is, what, mean, the, which is what we've been used to, but we've been used to seeing it one through eight, not one through seven. Right. But I feel like even then, like... It, it, there's a lot of like I, I could see any team one through seven in the West if they get the right path and maybe a couple of things break their way they could go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I think uh, the only team you pencil into the Conference Finals is the Warriors. I think I, yeah. I, I think any of those other six teams, it's all up in the air. Although I, I, I do think that Spurs fans would be irked at that because they've been so so good again with the amount of turnover that they've had and uh, they continue to just chug along but yeah we it, it's it's amazing we haven't learned our lessons you know over the past few years like oh don't sleep on the Spurs like hey the Spurs always just like sleepwalk to 60 wins like you don't notice it but they're the Spurs and again like I'm pretty sure they're the second seed I'm pretty sure they're on pace for a stupid amount of wins and they have Kawhi Leonard, who, if it wasn't for uh, Westbrook and Harden putting up insane statistics, he'd probably be in, like a serious candidate for MVP. And people are just like, "Yeah, Spurs." What? No, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Russell Westbrook for getting to dribble the ball. <laughs> I mean, how can you not talk about that? He took like six steps. It was amazing. That's fair enough. Yeah, uh, that's fair enough. That was, uh, that was that was pretty great. So, as someone who watches a lot of NBA basketball. I wanted to ask you which team in the NBA is your favorite and least favorite team to watch on a night in and night out basis. And I know that's a tough one Sorry, just to spring on you. Oh, did you lose me? Sorry, okay. I, I lost the, you there. Could you repeat the, the question? The, the, quest, the question is which team in the NBA is your favorite to watch night in and night out, and then which is your least favorite? My favorite team to watch uh, night in and night out? Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. Because you got you one. got you got a bunch um, of different answers. You could go. Yeah, you know, what sucks with the Embiid minutes restriction is that you can't really sit and watch the Sixers. It's once he comes out, it's pretty tough to watch. Um, ah oh man, this is tough. Houston's really fun, mm. and Houston mm. is really really fun. Milwaukee's up there 
for sure. Especially because uh, alert, Chris Middleton might be coming back in the next month or yeah. so. Hi, oh. That, that, that came out of nowhere. He was supposed to be out all season. Uh, I'd probably put the Rockets and the Bucks there. Oh, man, night in, night out. Yeah, I don't know. The worst teams, I, I, mean, I haven't watched the Nets in a while. Man, yeah, I have a it, it just Without Jeremy Lin, it's so hard. They, they have some interesting guys there, but they're just losing like crazy. I think that I think that's the right answer. I think the Nets are the hardest team to watch, even more than because at least the Suns have Booker and Bledsoe, and I think that the Rockets are the number one team to watch because you just can't believe they are the statisticians, the the basket, the smart basketball experts' dream. They just no long twos, just layups, dunks, and threes, and I I, I can't believe that Ryan Anderson. And Ariza and Eric Gordon just have the green light. They shoot more early shot clock threes than anybody I've seen. And maybe it's because they're new and the the Warriors, who are, you know, basketball poetry, have we've seen them for the last couple years be this good. However, I don't think there's anything that compares to watching Durant get 40 points on 16 shots. He was unreal last night. I think he's still the best watch in the league as a player. Um, when he's on, when he's on. Uh, the other, the other thing I wanted to, to talk to you about is just a couple of individual storylines with teams, and the first is the fact that unfortunately we got the news that Rudy Gay ruptured his Achilles for the Kings last night. I know that that's a bummer for Kings fans because it means they're probably not going to win that battle for the eighth seed. And I wanted you to talk about a little bit about what it means for the Kings moving forward and Rudy because he's now probably going to opt into that year that he has as a player option. Yeah, it's uh, it's really bad news for Kings fans, and you know, it doesn't for general basketball fans. I thought Rudy Gay really stepped it up this year. Maybe it's because he wanted out of Sacramento, but he he he's been playing a lot better, and you know, he was helping them win games. And uh, you know, for the Kings now, they can't they can't flip him like they they knew he wanted out. Uh, so he'll probably uh, with the it was Achilles. I don't even know if he gets back. Like maybe late next year. So it's a really rough situation, and he's gonna—he was going into free agency uh, expecting some pretty good money, and now it's that—that's not gonna happen, probably. You know, a guy coming off injury like that. Uh, hopefully, he gets back better, and strong. It would—it would have to be he opts in, and it's his next year. It's what nineteen million, something like that, and yeah. comes back in the middle of next year, and then plays his ass off for three or four months, and then gets paid. But even then, you're still talking about maybe a. <clears throat> tens of millions of dollars difference over the length of a contract uh, pre and post Achilles injury. So uh, thoughts and prayers to Rudy Gay and to Kings fans because I really wanted to see them make a run at this eighth seed and maybe have a chance to watch Boogie try and take on the Warriors in the first round and just have them have two home playoff games. But <clears throat> the other the other thing I wanted to ask you is, has to do with our two teams that just played last night, the Knicks and Celtics, and the fact that the Celtics are awful, awful at rebounding, and they have a few incredible assets with which to, to play with, and they're also in a spot where they're significantly worse than Toronto, who's significantly worse than the Cavs, and would it be worth it for them to go out and try and trade some of these assets for a legit big who can help with their rebounding woes? Or should they just sit on these Brooklyn picks? Do, do you think they're significantly worse than the Raptors? Like, I don't know, record-wise, but if they met in a playoff series, do, do you think it... I think if they met in a playoff series, the Raptors would win seven or eight times out of ten. 
Wow. Uh, I'm not sure about that. The, re- the reason I say that is because uh, at the end of games, the the player that the Celtics give the ball to is five foot nine, and the players, the the Raptors have more than one dude to give the ball to, and both of them are bigger and stronger and can get their way to the rim. I, I love Isaiah Thomas. He's this is the peak of his career, but they like the the game the other night in Toronto last week is a perfect example of it. The they closed the game on a twenty one to six run, something like that, and. Yeah. It, it it was demoralizing and I think indicates where the two teams are at. So I'm I'm not sure if rebounding is Boston's biggest problem. It's definitely where they're like the worst. Like they're they're, the, they're really bad at rebounding. But yeah, you know, that that sort of thing doesn't. It'll make or break some games, but over the long haul, it's not as big an issue as it might seem. But I actually threw out a trade. This is one of those stupid trade machine things I came up with. Uh, Amir Johnson straight for Kenneth Fareed, and Fareed carries, uh, you know, the the aura of not being a great defender, and you know, he can't shoot, so he doesn't really work in today's modern NBA. But I, I think Brad Stevens is a smart coach; he can make it work. Fareed addresses their biggest, you know, their you know, the rebounding issue, and it, you know, maybe in in Stevens' scheme, he'd be a little better defensively. Uh, you know, offensively, he can create some things. I don't know. I, I kind of like that idea. I don't know about trading the draft pick, uh, the Nets pick specifically, or any of their other younger guys uh, to try and get a vet to, to really get over the hump here because you're facing Cleveland. And that, and just simply put, that's not happening. You're not, not happening. Cleveland. They have LeBron James. It's not happening. So why not keep these assets? Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get a top pick, whatever it is. And like, even if you're only a, a second round out for a few years, maybe down the line, you use those assets once LeBron is tailing off to actually compete. I, I I would agree with that. I think that short of one of these, I heard Celtics fans will talk themselves into any rumor, just like any team's fans. Oh, they can trade for Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Those dudes aren't going anywhere, especially not if with Jimmy, the new. If Jimmy Butler is available, that's the trade they make, but. I don't think that's happening. I, w- I would trade the farm for Jimmy Butler right now, but there's I just don't think there's any way that he's moving, especially now, and we this is officially today, we have a new collective bargaining agreement. Congrats to us as basketball Huzzah. fans. Huzzah is right, seriously. Shouts to LeBron and Chris Paul and all those uh, player association dudes for getting themselves paid and sort of restoring class hierarchy balance in the NBA. No no more no more four years seventy million for Alan Crabb. No offense to Alan Crabb. Uh <clears throat> if if what was I gonna say? I was gonna say Amir Johnson for Kenneth Fareed, the hole that I poke in that is isn't Denver below the salary floor? Aren't they trying to get to the salary floor? Well the thing is um that's not really a big issue, the salary floor. Uh, the salaries match on Trade Machine. Like, that swap works, and Amir Johnson's contract expires. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, they get a veteran. Like, I don't know if they'd be crazy about giving up Fareed for nothing, but it's not like you're getting a first-round pick for him. Right. I I love the idea of Fareed on the Celtics, especially because I own a Nuggets Kenneth Fareed jersey, and that's just awesome. Would be great to wear to a Celtics game. Uh... I have a couple of other things to, to round out. Who do you think is the biggest possible name that we could see traded before the deadline? Because now that Rudy Gay has injured his Achilles, he's probably not getting moved. It appears increasingly unlikely that Boogie and Millsap are getting moved. So are we going to see somebody like Ricky Rubio or Dwight or Andrew Bogut? 
who, 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 who's the biggest name we could see get moved? I feel like there's something weird going on with this trade season. I don't know what it is. None of the rumors seem rock solid. Guys are on the market, then they're off the market. Uh, it, it's hard to conjure up some some obvious deals. I feel like we're going to get a surprise trade with a decent name out there. Maybe a name that hasn't been mentioned yet. That seems to be a thing that happens. Like we, we uh, one of the franchises like the Hawks or or other ones that don't really leak things. And then you know a name out of nowhere gets dealt. You don't even know who's on the market. It's hard to pinpoint uh, with this sort of roundabout the trade market. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like Millsap is out there now. I, I don't see why the Hawks, you know, wouldn't deal him at this point. They're just, they haven't been as good as they thought they'd be. And, you know, he can walk in free agency, so that's, that's a serious issue. Uh, Boogie, I, I don't think ownership would let that happen. Um, trying to think Jimmy Butler, no. <laughs> Paul George, uh, no. Paul George, no. Bogut, I, if you want to consider him a, a big name, yeah. I mean, the Mavs could uh, definitely look to move him. Maybe uh, maybe send him and a couple of young guys for Brooke Lopez. I don't know. I believe, uh, I believe they're also trying to shop Wes Matthews, and I know that those those names don't get anybody's ears to perk up, but that, I think, is what we're looking at as of right now. Wes Matthews would be a nice piece for a lot of teams. I actually uh, I thought he could work uh, in Philly in a deal for Noel, but I'm not sure uh, if – if Sixers fans would be too happy about that. Yeah, Sixers fans seem to like Noel. Where do you stand on him? Do you think that they should move him or not? As a player, I love him. And, you know, the thing is, he could be a starting caliber center in this league. I truly believe that. He's really good already, and he's getting better. So if he's willing to play backup to Embiid, like keep him and have an amazing one-two punch at center. But if he's not, you definitely have to think about moving him. All right, I, I I agree with that. Watching him move his feet, watching him uh, defend a pick and roll is really fun to watch. There are so so few big guys who can move the way he does. Uh, he he also runs the floor uh, a lot better than a lot of bigs. You know, he'll he'll basically just burn teams uh, that aren't getting back fast enough. McConnell look for him around the rim, and it, there are a few teams that and not just like teams. Oh, I could use this young guy with potential like. There are teams that are perfect fits for him. Like him going to Portland would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to do. Oh, okay. The one other guy I wanted to ask you about is Mello, and because because we were talking about the trade deadline and the New York Knicks are a soap opera and all this stuff with him and Phil Jackson and their a relationship appears to be wearing thinner and thinner by the day. Is there any chance he gets moved before the end of the year? Why can't the Knicks just be a normal team for like one season? <laughs> for one season, one se- a month, a month without the without draw. I like it, it, they can't. Lo- maybe it's I, I don't even. It's not even like the like I, I want to blame the media. I want to blame the fans. But it's it's Charlie Rosen posting something about oh Mello, you know he's outlived as this, and of course that gets Mello upset, and then he can't have a meeting with Phil Jackson. Then they have a meeting and it resolves nothing, and they're still losing. Like just. Can we have a normal season? I'm not even looking for a winning season. Just a normal season for once from the Knicks. It's ridiculous. I, I don't think Mello's going anywhere. He, lo- he loves here too much. He loves uh, New York. It would it would take like seriously. People have uh, have started considering that maybe Phil Jackson treating him this way is Phil trying to get him to want to leave so Phil doesn't have to treat him himself. Like like a sort of oh you know I want to break up with her. But I'm gonna make her break up with me because uh, like, yep. Yep, that it, this, it, team is, this team is a gigantic mess. 
And it do, that does seem like the kind of mind game that Phil would do and probably did in, in Chicago and L.A. just before it was 24-hour Twitter, social media hype, honestly. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do before we get out of here is I wanted to do a ranking of the five dudes who you'd rather have on your team for the next 10 years because I think there are five guys who just are the dudes that you'd want for the next 10 years, and that's Anthony Davis. The unicorns. The, well, yes, the unicorns. To <clears throat> Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and Chris Stapps. Uh, I have them in that exact order. Uh, AD, Greek Freak, Embiid, Towns, then Porzingis as to who I'd want on my team the next 10 years. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. I think that the one hope that the Knicks get to cling to amidst all the soap operas, the fact that Porzingis is on this team. <laughs> and yeah. who, who out of those five would you most want on your team for the next 10 years? In a vacuum. Because it's the next 10 years, I'm going to aim a little younger, which is why I'm not going to pick AD first. Oh man, it, I think it's between Giannis and, and uh, Carl Anthony Towns probably. Mm. It, it's it, it's tough. I, I feel like I'll go Giannis because wings are a lot more mm-hmm. valuable in today's NBA. Uh, like and not, maybe not more valuable. What I'm trying to say is like a star wing is really where you want your star to be. It, when when you have your star at center and he has to do all this rim protection and do all, a lot of this dirty work, tires him out has to be your primary defender and also you know you can't play free safety like Giannis it, it, it you've seen it a little bit like those teams aren't winning a whole lot like Anthony Davis's team isn't winning Carl Anthony Towns like maybe Embiid you know, once he plays more maybe but it, I, I'd rather have a star wing because those are the teams that really win I I agree with you especially because Giannis can pl- also he's also a point guard <laughs> he's, he's, li- he's literally everything he's, he's just everything and so he's almost an extended version of the freakish athletes that we've seen LeBron KD Paul George Kawhi he's just um somehow more of a Swiss army knife version of those dudes which if I he ever de- if he ever develops a jump shot we we have to start talking about that because that that would be the nightmare scenario for the rest of the league yeah forget about it if that dude shoots like 36 37 percent from three like forget about it it's over and I really I wanted to try and figure this out to make a huge analogy between these five dudes and five rap dudes uh, to see who you'd want. I wanted I was like uh, it was like I, th- I think the names that I came up with were Chan- it was like Chance the Rapper, Anderson Pack, Kendrick Lamar, J Cole, and Young and Young Thug. Like those Kendrick and Cole are old though already. Yeah, and that's the problem. The problem. The problem is you don't have and Anderson Pox older than either of them. He's just a newcomer. Like I, it didn't work yeah. unfortunately. Uh, I, I really wanted it because I. Pop is dead, AJ. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> you don't believe that? You don't believe that for a second? No, I don't believe that. Hip, this has been one of the best. I actually wanted to ask you because you're such an avid hip hop dude. What your one, some of your favorite albums from 2016 were? Because that's something that I like asking a lot of different people on this pod. How long can this podcast go? 2016 was awesome, man. Because I, I thought uh, it was the best year for music that I can remember in a long time. And there was something for everybody. Sure. And I loved seeing your tweets about it. Lots of people who I don't who don't necessarily have music as their, their go-to thing uh, tweeted about it all the time. What, what's ridiculous is that the year was awesome. And then Christmas came. And we're like, all right, well, that was a great year of music. And then Run the Jewels 3 drops. Oh. Surprise drop. Oh. And it was... 
and it somehow like just like just ruined people's top ten list. But like, well, damn, I got to put this top ruined three it. now. Where do where do I move this? Absolutely ruined it, and I can't wait. They're coming to the House of Blues next month in Boston, and I will be in attendance. And I can't wait. I have to make sure that I my pockets have zippers so that nothing <laughs> nothing falls out of my pockets. Um, is there anything? Oh, okay. No, no. I know what I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about your your uh, article that just came out on Bleacher Report, which is an excellent read. It's going to be a Thank long you. season. Yeah, man. And I loved my favorite part of the article was at the bottom when it said all the quotes are from firsthand interviews. And so the guys that you interviewed, it was a bunch of dudes who get to go up against superstars and practice day in and day out. Sam Decker and KJ McDaniels in Houston, Cameron Payne in Oklahoma City, DeAndre Liggins who I've always ridden for since his Kentucky days, Cole Aldrich, Doug McDermott, <laughs> Justin Hamilton. Uh, what were, were all these guys really sort of uh, chomping at the bit to, to get talked to because they don't get talked to as much? Were they really easy to talk to? I, you know, I had to, I, I had to get most of these guys at uh, at pregame, you know, in the locker room. And guy, guys don't love talking pregame because they just want to focus in, lock in, and stuff like that. Uh, but I think once I threw the story idea out there, they actually really enjoy talking about it because you know, this isn't something that gets talked about a lot. But on the other hand, let me let me note this: I asked each and every one of them, like, you know, does it does it bother you that like I'm the first person to write this story? Like, I, I looked it up; I couldn't find anything about this idea of mine. And I'm like, does that bother you that, like, no one realizes you have to freaking stick Jimmy Butler twice a week, three times a week? I'm like, nah, that's fine. That's, that's their job. Whatever. Yeah, they, so, that, so that, credit's to them. And that comes across very uh, firmly in the article, that these guys are super happy to be playing basketball for a living and that they're almost – they're s- – Hyped to be playing against the best players in the world, day in and, and like the the credit for it is is superfluous. Yeah, and, absolutely. And can I ask uh, who your favorite guy to talk to was? Oh man, um, or is that or is that just a silly question? No, that was that wasn't a silly question. Uh, I asked most of you guys these guys mostly the same questions. Uh, you know, some uh, some guys I talked to didn't make it into their story because their quotes were pretty bland and didn't add much and they didn't have good stories so i i guess the quotes you see in there those are my favorite guys to talk to because they gave me some really great stuff i mean uh sam decker uh he, he gave me a lot of time actually uh to sit down with him pregame so i appreciate that and he gave me that amazing james harden story oh. where james grabbed his arm and just spun him around like like he was the kindergartner or something and De- and Decker's doing the little baby. He's gonna call foul on Harden. Look at him like, "Welcome to the league." It's awesome. Yeah. So, that's great. so people can read that article on Bleacher Report, and they can read you at Vice and XL Sports. But you also just do some freelancing stuff. So you pop up here and there. I uh, believe I still have your Grantland article bookmarked in my computer oh, about I the C- about that, the man. Seattle Pro Am. Listen, we've been riding or dying since the Stoop Sports days. Shout out to all the Stoop, Stoop Sports, Sports guys, yep. to Nico and Jesse and uh, the Israel brothers, all those dudes. Um, if we want to follow you on Twitter, we can follow you at underscore Verts, V-E-R-T-S. Yes? Yes, perfect. I, I've, I've tried. I, I hate when I'm on a podcast and people are like, that's underscore Verts, right? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I've been trying to get rid of the underscore. It's not happening. Yeah, but you got the freaking verified blue check, baby. And that's and that's what matters. You're, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Um, one one last thing is the fact that the Stony Brook SeaWolves uh, made the tournament and got to win that home game last year, uh, uh, 
and got to go dancing. Is that your favorite basketball moment that you've ever been a part of? Oh man. Oh, oof. Is it better than yeah. is it better than the Knicks beating the Celtics in the first round in 2013, which I still owe you an Amon Shumpert jersey for, by the way. You do? Uh, we made a bet uh, as to who we, you know we'd get each other jerseys uh, over that series. I I had was overconfident in the Celtics, which I shouldn't have been for that team, and I owe you. Yeah, an man, that was not your year. The it, thing, problem with the problem with the Shumper jersey is one. I already have one. Two, he's not on the Knicks. So you're gonna have to give me somebody else. I'll happily get you oh, a jersey man. of anybody who is or has been on the Knicks because I'm a man of my word. I don't forget about these things and. <laughs> You so you you got the the Knicks beating the Celtics in the first round. Jameel Warney scoring forty three and and leading the Sea Wolves to the NCAA tournament. And I don't even know what the third nominee would be. Would it just be any of Porzingis's putback over Lamarcus Aldridge? I don't even know what. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know well, what's a part of? I you know I covered I covered the Stony Brook game, which I regret honestly looking back on. I wish I was just sitting in the fan, you know in the stands and just rushing the court. Uh, but hmm, the nah, I probably yeah, man, I, I'd probably go somewhere because that was unreal. That the place went absolutely mangoes, and the 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 offensive rebound that Warney got with one hand is what <laughs> sticks out in my mind late in that game. He just would not let them lose. Uh, go Sea Wolves, Verts. If I ask you back on this podcast later in the NBA season, will you come back on? I'll think about it. You know, I'll check my schedule. I'll yeah, yeah, to, yeah. I'll, I'll have my, my I'll have I'll have my people call your people. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty slammed, man. I don't you know, know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> no, nah, man. Of course, I appreciate you having me on. Fighting fire with fire. That's that. That's the that's the must listen. Oh, stop it! Listen. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on. We will talk to you later in the season. And as always, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at soundcloud.com slash fightingfirewithfire. Give us a rate and review on iTunes. It helps with those algorithms. Listen on Google Play. Follow Verts. Read all of his shit, past and present and future. Please do. And uh, for David Vertsberger, I'm AJ Rose. We will see you guys next time. Verts, say bye to the people. Have a good one, guys. Go next. Cheers. <laughs>